0: What's going on? What's going on? A Connect original. That's all peeps from the house right here. Amen? Amen. Welcome to Protect His House. My name is Pastor Derek. I just want to welcome you guys to Connect. Everybody doing good? What an awesome worship experience. What? Oh, my gosh. This is how the new year is going to go. We got to like, I don't know, we're going to get 747s in here or something. (laughs) Um, let me uh, open for those of you like uh, frequent flyers or uh, family at Connect. Um, I was out of church last week. Some of you guys know I had a little health crisis. I just want you to let, let you know I'm good and um, back at it. So praise the Lord. So praise God. Yeah. It's just a weird thing. I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail on it. I don't want to glorify the devil. But I was an attack. It definitely was a spiritual attack. I was 15 minutes before walking onto the floor. Uh, to, do, uh, to do church, and uh, I was flat on my back calling the ambulance. So uh, it was just weird. Uh, they say it was a really bad muscle strain, connected like a nerve, and it kind of replicated being electrocuted. So it had a very painful uh, result. So um, a couple of days later, painkillers, anti-inflammatories, a lot of prayer. Uh, I'm good to go. I, I worked out yesterday, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I actually had in my notes, I didn't say this in the first service, but I actually had in my notes that Sunday to pray, uh, just the whole thing about prayer, but I was actually talking about praying for your leaders and praying for your pastor, and so it sounds self-serving, but I didn't get to say that last week, I didn't get a chance, so I want to say, I want to say today, please pray for your pastor, you know, the Bible says, smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter, so there's sometimes strategic things that the enemy could, could do or would try to do. To, uh, and so it's just important that we, we, we pray for each other, we pray for, you know, if your parents, pray for your parents, you pray for your family, your spouse, you pray you pray for your pastor. You know, I believe if you shore up the shepherd, the sheep will gather, amen? So we just got to take care of you later. So I appreciate your prayers. Also want to highlight um, uh, another couple of things. One thing you already saw on there, our Dream Team Appreciation Event is on January 30th. If you are a member of the Dream Team, that means you went through the growth track and you're serving in some capacity at church. There's... I don't know, 350 plus people that serve at Connect. Uh, We're having a big party, uh, and I hope you guys will make plans to be there. It's gonna be off the chain. Uh, We're gonna be at the Sheraton Tower, all expense paid. It's gonna be awesome. And some really fun things and some real exciting things as we go into the new year as well. So so please join us. Make sure you let us know that you're coming to that. We're preparing a banquet for, for you and making it off the chain. If you're not on the Dream Team, let's go. You're missing out, okay? You're missing out. I really want to see you guys a part of that. It's not something we need from you. It's something God wants to do through you, and that's what the Dream Team's all about. Also, uh, what's my other announcement I wanted to talk about? Oh, it's huge. Uh, everybody say February 7th. Okay, so you're thinking right away, Super Bowl Sunday. No, it's Super Soul Sunday, okay? We call it No Excuse Sunday. We do this on an annual basis, so February 7th is No Excuse Sunday. Sunday. That means there is no excuse not to be in church on February 7th. If you're traveling on vacation, fly home. If you are skiing, come back, okay? So we're wanting everybody to be in the house of God on one day. We never drive people. We always draw people. We don't intimidate. We invite. But this is a day that I want everybody that calls this church their home to be in church. We have some important things we need to talk to you about that day. We have some cool stuff for you that day. And it's going to be like very celebratory as well. So it's only going to be that day. So if you weren't there, you're going to miss it. It's not something you're going to be able to watch on camera or listen to. It's different. So you want to be here on No Excuse Sunday, February seventh. Can I get an amen from all of y'all? Can I get a buy-in from all of y'all? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor's day. You better be there. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm gonna hold you to it. All right. As I start, as I start this. Um Is I continue our series, by the way, I hope you enjoyed my pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges, last week. Uh, That's my overseer and pastor of 15-something years, and he had to step in last minute. (laughs) He didn't know it yet. I texted him and said, did you know you preached last Sunday at my church? (laughs) No, I didn't. I said, well, thank you. I'll send you an offering. No, I won't. Yes, I will. No, I won't. Um, Anyway, um, we're in a series, and I'm continuing, and basically I was thinking about, in fact, speaking of Pastor Chris, he's a Cajun, he's from Louisiana, so he always tells these Boudreaux, Thibodeau jokes. And so Boudreaux is this just kind of typical Cajun, they're kind of crazy and kind of do some stupid stuff sometimes. So he's driving on the highway, he's swerving all over the road, and, and, and a cop's watching him. Like, what, what is he doing? He notices it's Boudreaux. He says, oh, Boudreaux. So he pulls Boudreaux over, comes up to the window, he says, Boudreaux, what are you, you, know, what are you doing? You're swerving all over, well, you know, what's going on? You know, I, you can't drive like that. It's like, what, what's the problem? What's the problem? And so he's, he says, basically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to do a breathalyzer. And Budor says, no, you can't do that. He says, why can't I do a breathalyzer? He's, because I'm asthmatic. He says, okay, fine, fine. Then we're going to have to do kind of a different type of test. You know, we're going to have to do uh, a, a urine sample. <laughs> Budor says, no, 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 you can't do that. I can't do that because I got diabetes. So the cop says, oh my gosh, so we're going to have to do kind of a different type of test. You know, what can I do? I mean, I'm going to um, I'm gonna have to get, you know, a blood sample. Boudreau says, no, 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 you can't do that because I'm a hemophiliac. The <laughs> cop says, that's it. You're going to have to get out of the car. And this is your test. You're going to have to walk the line. Boudreau says, I can't do that. No, neither. He says, why can't you do that? He goes, because I'm drunk. <laughs> that's a typical Boudreau joke, okay? So sometimes our prayer life is like Boudreau's driving. We're swerving all over the road. Sometimes we're getting sidetracked and sidelined, and we're not getting where God wants to get in our prayer life. So this message in this series is about successful prayer, making sure that we can get to our destination, making sure we can get through to God. Next week, I'm going to talk about powerful prayers, how to get results in your prayers. Anybody interested in that? You don't want to miss that next week. But in this, in this whole Protect His House series, we're trying to avoid... Some of the, the sinkholes and, and set traps of the enemy and the, and the common uh, accidents, the prevalent accidents that can happen in our temple. Like, that's what I think about last week. You know, the temple of God, the, the house of God, but also, also the earth in which we live. And so I'm going to give you some stuff that's going to help you with that. Today's message is titled, Pray in His Name. Pray in His Name. And we're going to look at some important texts um, from the Gospel of John John, in particular, 14, 15, and 16, and um, you're going to see something very important that happens, but there's kind of two questions I'm going to answer in the message. Why, why don't we pray? Why should we pray? Why don't we pray? Why should we pray? Under each one of these questions, I'll have some sub points. If you're a note taker, this is one of those you're going to want to take a lot of notes. If you're not a note taker, you should take some notes. Okay, um, but basically here's what's happening in these three big texts, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and it's, it's, it's most theologians believe it's the Last Supper, you know, you know what I mean, the Last Supper, so it's like they're all reclining at the table, they're eating a meal, they're all like sitting Indian style, real low to the ground, you've seen the picture, Leonardo da Vinci's over in the corner painting them. That's funny, I don't care what you say, that's funny. And in John 13, Jesus gets up from the table and he he washes the disciples' feet. Okay? That's what happens in John 13. On the bookend, on Je- John 17, Jesus is praying like the prayer. Some people actually thought, think that's the model prayer, and the Lord's prayer is actually, uh, you know, uh, is actually the, the Luke 11 and, and what we've been talking about so far, that model, that model prayer. But Jesus is in, in John 17, he's praying to God. Many people believe that he's in Gethsemane at that time, praying to God. But John 14, 15, and 16, he unpacks some things, and he tells them something, this particular kind of choice select phrase that you don't see in any of the other Gospels. You don't see it in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and you don't see it prior to this particular time. He's in the last week, days uh, of his life. Now, if you think about your own life, if you were in the final days of your life, you tend to say the most important things in the final days of your life. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't be like, you know, hey, you guys want to go to Chick-fil-A? No, you'd be like, I need to tell you some some really important things. So Jesus is unpacking some stuff, and uh, they've never heard, the disciples have never heard this teaching, this this important phrase before. Also, behind that teaching, these words that he's about to give them, it's the finality of his mission. He's come from heaven to earth to show us the way. He's come from heaven to earth to create an access point from mankind back to God because of sin. So that's his mission. He's in the, he's done like fourth in one. He's going to the AFC championship. He's like just about there. Come on, Patriot fans. How many is excited about that? Wow, you guys get excited. You know, it's like, whoa, I felt the anointing come in the room as soon as I said Patriots. All right. So, so he's, that's what's going on. But there's another thing that's going on that I'm going to unpack as we go forward. He's not only making a connection here, he's transferring dominion back here on the earth. Okay? So you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. Hang on. So John 14, 13, here's what it says. And whatever you ask, these three words are key, in my name. Everybody say, in my name. My name. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, What? In my name, I will do it. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you, speaking to his disciples, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever, or like sometimes we say at home, whatever, whatever you ask, the Father In what? My name he may give you. John 16, 23 through 24. Again, he didn't say this any other time, but this time. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father, let's say it. In my name he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Here's your big idea. Put this in your notes. You protect his house with his name you protect his house your temple the temple of god the t- where we worship the the earth itself you do it with his Name The secret to a lot of the things that are going wrong and going right are connected to the use, the proper use of the name of Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There are songs we sing. There is power in the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We can choose to bow to that name or we'll ultimately have to bow to that name because it's above every name. It's the name that's above every name. There's no other name given among men whereby people will be saved. It's just Jesus' name. That name. Satan trembles the demons tremble at the name of Jesus Man. it's a very important name is anybody getting what I'm saying yes. I'm preaching up in here it's getting early it's early but I'm going to preach early okay so the name is key the name is key if I told my one of my daughter my daughter Morgan sometimes I come home from work and the, and the den is a mess now our den is a converted garage because we had so many stinking kids so we converted, our, <laughs> we converted our garage to a den. Sometimes they come in, the den is not up to snuff. That's my word of just saying it. it's, just, it's not at standard. I'm kind of a strac personality. So I walk in, I'm like, oh. and I go upstairs, and I look for a kid, any kid. Just give me a kid. Who's responsible for what's going on in the den? Morgan, it's not me, it's not me. Everybody, not me, not me. That's what happens all the time. I said, I think it's Madison. You go downstairs, and you tell Madison to clean up that den. She goes downstairs, tells Madison to clean up that den. She comes back upstairs, Dad, she won't clean up the den. So, what did you say? She says, I told her to clean up the den. I say, Go back downstairs and you tell her that Dad said to clean up the den. <laughs> How many know the den gets clean? Come on, somebody. Because there's power in what? The name. So my name is nothing next to the name of Jesus. Your name is nothing next to the name of Jesus either. But as I was discovering, even in prayer this week, on my knees over there for the first two weeks in prayer and fasting, every single morning here, one of the things that God was just just showing me is new revelation on the name. In the name of Jesus, we have access to God according to His word. In the name of Jesus, we have His attention. We gain His attention. You know, the, the Hebrews would come to pray, and before they came to pray and come into the Holy of Holies, they would begin to declare the different names of God. Why? Because the name is like a password into the Holy of Holies. You know those doors where you come to and you want to get inside? You wanna, there's something cool happening there. There's, there's some kind of opportunity in there, but boom, slot opens. What's the password? What's the password? You know, you, if you don't know the password, you can't get in. That's what Jesus' name is like. It gives you access the name also, as we'll discover today in particular, gives you authority. So you get the access to, the attention of, and the authority over everything in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's powerful. Amen? So why in the world do we not pray in his name? I think there's two kind of reasons to pray, but there's three reasons why we don't pray. Let me give you that uh, as we go forward. Here's, the, here's the, one of the reasons why we don't pray. Number one is Complacency. Complacency. Sometimes we are this way because it doesn't affect me. It doesn't relate to me, my sphere, my world, my realm, so to speak. In fact, I think I could prove this from Scripture over and over again. But there are many times that things, bad things, happened, either because of a cursed world, because of unhealthy choices, or sometimes because of the chastening of the Lord, there are things that happened that didn't have to happen because his people didn't pray. Can I have an amen or no oh me out there? Anybody? Okay, so, so sometimes as Americans, we are, we're fat cats, you know what I mean? We've got first world problems and things like that, and so as a result, this is my personal opinion, I believe judges have been appointed, laws have been passed, uh, because p- believers didn't pray. We have, there's an apathy, a complacency, and what does it matter to me if the Ten Commandments are not hanging up in the court in my state? I don't care. It's not, it doesn't affect me. What does it matter to me if, oh, the, the Christmas tree was taken down in Washington, D.C., and now they're not celebrating anymore after 100 years? Well, it doesn't affect me. We don't, we, we just, there's a complacency. But when it hits home, when your kid is sick, when your kid is dying of cancer, when your, when your wife is, you know, under attack, oh, that's a big difference. 9-11, when 9-11 hit, which is pretty adjacent to us, the, the, the churches swelled up. People began to pray. The Boston bombings. Oh, pastor, are you going to preach on that this Sunday? Why? Because it affected us personally. It, it was up close. It affected me There's a complacency that comes in sometimes, and we could change the outcomes if it was not for complacency, and I'll prove that to you in a little bit, but many times, even even natural disasters could be averted. I'm not saying God is a God of wrath and he causes natural disasters. I believe that's why they're called natural disasters, okay? But I do think there are times when, if believers would activate their prayer life and and petition heaven, that we could make changes. Many people believe that Hurricane Katrina could have, a lot of the damages could have been averted to to what happened if people prayed. But I don't believe people really prayed. But yet Hurricane Rita, listen to this. Some of you may remember this particular reality. But Hurricane Rita, the the forecasters said that it was going to hit the southern shores. It was going to hit a lot of the oil refineries. And as a result, gas prices were going to go up. And believers prayed and it didn't happen. (laughs) Ha ha interesting isn't it why sometimes we don't because of complacency we do because it affects just me it's in my world and there are many biblical examples about this here's the next reason we don't pray unbelief unbelief this may be difficult to swallow but i believe that if you believed and i believe spending more time in prayer would change things we'd pray more we would If you believe spending more time in prayer would change your business and make it more successful and put the favor of God on it. If you believe that spending more time in prayer, you know, would change the dynamics in your marriage or in a relationship. If you believe spending more time in prayer, you know, connecting with God in prayer would, would, uh, at the first of the year, and giving him the first fruits of the year, and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you'd pray more. But people don't. And the reason is complacency, but another reason is unbelief. We don't believe it's actually going to do anything. We're not, we're not convinced. And so some people, as a result, have substituted an active prayer life with kind of, a, a, you know, and the practice of the presence of God with pursuing other things to fill that need. So we'll do, we believe 10 minutes on Google will accomplish more than 10 minutes in the presence of God. That's good. And it's, 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 it's upside down. And there's reasons why that is, and we'll get to that in just a second. But the Bible says that the effective... Fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That means that we have to learn how to effectively pray. Sometimes we're praying, but we're not praying effectively. We're actually complaining, not praying. Some people say, I'm praying all the time about stuff. No, you're not, because you're not effectively praying. You're just whining and pining. You've got a violin in your hand instead of the word of God coming out of your mouth. Mm. So that's why we have these prayer guides, by the way, and I, got, I bought 600 of these, and I'm still waiting for them to go out. Let's go, people. Get your prayer guides, okay? This will help you. Let me tell you something. I pray this every day now. It wasn't before, so I'm not trying to brag, but for, for, since the beginning of the fast, it is life-changing. Can you tell i a little fired up? It's because of my prayer life. It's, it's, it's fervent right now and effective, and effective, because I'm following not a recitation but a roadmap, it's a path to the presence of God. And at the end of that path, I'm with God. And when you're, when you're in behind the wall, no password you know, access, now you're talking to God. You can get some stuff done. Oh my gosh, all of a sudden everything begins to change. Perspective and problems, Boom. Change, just in a moment, in the presence of God. I still believe with all my heart, one second in the presence of God can change people's lives. But many of us are not getting into the presence of God because we're not following a path or a pattern to get into that place. So it's through effective prayer and fervent prayer. In the process of that, we we get in right standing with God. It says, that availeth much. In other words, a lot of stuff is accomplished. And you can do more in 10 minutes of that kind of prayer than you can in 10 minutes on Google. Mm, I'm just going to keep going. This is good. Okay, here's the third reason why we don't pray. Say, I came to church today to get it's kind of like a rope-a-dope with Muhammad Ali this morning. You know what I mean? I feel like, bam! Oh, yeah, that's good. Bam! Oh, yeah. All right. Here's the third reason we pray. We don't pray. Excuse me. Discouragement. Sometimes we don't pray because of discouragement. Simply put, we prayed and prayed and prayed, and it didn't happen. Again... I think sometimes we call it prayer, but it's really not effective prayer. It's really not fervent prayer. It's kind of whining and pining. So as a result of not getting the results, sometimes because we're doing it the wrong way, sometimes the devil tries to corrupt and confuse our thinking. And you know what? That's his job description. He's the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, I think 33 tells us that. So here's two reasons why we should pray. Those are the three we shouldn't. Now, let me give you two reasons why we should, and these are connected to the attributes of God. What is attributed to God? The characteristics, the traits, uh, the nature, the character of God. When you think of attributes, we're talking about not what he does, but who he is. Everybody with me? So attributes of God. These are reasons why we should pray, but they're the primary reasons or the, the, the top Uh, Reasons the devil tries to attack these attributes. He tries to confuse and distort the truth about these attributes so we don't pray. So, the two reasons we should are the two main reasons uh, that the devil attacks and tries to corrupt. And usually, he tries to do it by twisting the definitions so it changes the destinations on our prayer life. And that's what's going on here. So, these two attributes are critical. Here's the first reason we should pray number one, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. Now, we alluded to this a little bit already, but sovereignty, some people, because they don't study it, figure it out, understand it, we just assume that means God's just large in charge. He can do whatever he wants, and he's going to do what he wants, and, and that's how it's going to, no matter what. And that would be an inaccurate, incomplete understanding of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God, in a word, is the supremacy of God. It means he is supreme, the supreme ruler of the universe, it's not, um, if you look at it through the lens of, praise God, God's going to (laughs) do, that was late, that was early, I mean, Um, the sovereignty of God, people, when they have the wrong definition of it, they think that basically, and this is what happens in our prayer life, you know, Derek, why even pray? Because God's going to do what he's going to do. Why even bother? Because he's just going to do what he's going to do. So there's no point in everybody tracking with how the devil can attack the attribute and the true characteristic and nature of God. So, in fact, in Matthew 6, there's a a scripture, a familiar scripture, where it says the father knows what you need even before you ask. So here's how the devil attacks that. Why even ask? What's the point? It's not going to change anything. Because we have an inaccurate understanding of the attribute, the characteristic, in particular the sovereignty of God. So if he's the supreme ruler of the universe, he he is God, he is supreme, but it doesn't mean he can do whatever he wants. He has authority over everything he made, but he won't do everything he wants that's in violation of his character, of his character. The sovereignty of God refers more to his character. And if you take it a step further, and I hope you can track with me, I'm praying You know, that God opens your minds to understand the scriptures this morning. I prayed about it this morning. I prayed about it in the first service, and I'm praying for you that you can get what I'm talking about today because it will dramatically affect the intimate fellowship that you have with the Lord in prayer. But a lot of times we don't understand the will of God. The will of God. We say things like, if it's his will, you know, if it's God's will, then it will happen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? I've been guilty of that. If it's God's will, then it's going to happen. And you know what? That's not true. That's not true. When we talk about the word will, sometimes we don't have a definition for that. Let me give you a simple definition of the will of God. Write this in your notes. The will of God is the desire of God. That's right. The will of God is, simply put, the desire of God. When you die, when you, if you have children, you're going to, prior to that, hopefully long before that, you're going to draft up your last will and testament. All right, and you're going to determine where your assets go. So your last will and testament, your desire, your will will be to uh, give the sixty-three dollars and twenty-four cents and pass it down after you've paid Visa, American Express, and Uncle Sam to your children. Okay, that's your last will and testament. That is not. It's it's a desire. It's a desire. It's absolutely true, but it's not an absolute it will happen. Okay, simply put, that's good. That's really good. I hope you can get that, alright? So, so what is God's desire? What is God's will? Interchangeable. So let me give you an example of what God's will is, or what God's desire is. Look in your notes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is a big subject: eternity, eternal security. The Lord is not slack, or your Bible might say slow, concerning his promise, as some count slackness or slowness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing. Circle or underline those two words, not willing. Not desiring, interchangeable, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, here's a question. I don't, you don't have to answer this out loud, but I think you know the answer. Are all Is all humanity going to come to repentance? No, they're not. Many will, but many won't. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I never knew you. Gnosko is the word. I never intimately knew you. We weren't in fellowship and relationship. So again, the sovereignty of God sometimes gets in the way, uh, that definition of our relationship with God. And so God's will is good for us, but we're created in his image. So if our will does not line up with his will, we will not see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what happens, okay? So we say things like, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. No. God's will is good for us. According to his word, every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father of lights to us. Jeremiah 29, he wants us to prosper and be in health, and he's got a plan for us, and I promise you it's good. That's his will and testament for us. That's his desire for us. But when we pray, we need to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven it's good, but my will needs to bring, line up with his will and bring heaven to earth. That's what happens when I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so I can summarize it like this, okay? Write this in your notes. The good things that happen in this life is because your will moved God's will from earth to heaven. The good things that are going to happen in your life are because you prayed that God's will and your will heaven and earth come together. Luke 11:2 again talked about we just your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, this is strong, but you need to hear this. Kind of want to shock you into praying a little bit. I got shocked last week. So, maybe that's why I'm acting like this. I got electrocuted, okay? All right? But but nothing good is going to happen if his people don't pray. If my people humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven and I will I will hear they turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If, 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 it's a two-letter word, it's very important and conditional to the promises of God. So the desire and will of God is conditional upon our prayer life, active prayer life. It's God's desire for it to happen, though, but we must be people who pray. But Christians, a lot of times, this is true, people have been Christians a long time. They they speak in Old King James with this, if it be thy will. If it be thy will. When do we ever talk like that? (laughs) If it be thy will, my neighbor will be saved. We already know God's will for that. It's God's will that you get off the recliner and go over and talk to your neighbor and invite him to connect. It's God's will that you do that. We already know God's will is for us to pray and seek, from he- and seek heaven and seek his face. It says in Matthew 6.33. So sometimes there's nothing to pray about. But when we pray, we're trying to get our will lined up with his will. Earth and heaven to connect. And in the process, amazing things happen. Now, I'm going to transition now. Everybody handle this? I'm going to a text. And when I read this, you are going to have no idea what I'm talking about. This is the hardest part of the message for me, and normally a speaker wouldn't say that, but I'm saying that so you, you're more acute, you don't check out, okay? So everybody tune in, Ready? All right, so here's what's happening in this next text. I'm going to give you an Old Testament text and a New Testament text, and it's going to unpack what Jesus was trying to do in the Gospels. He was not just trying to give them a power phrase to just use all the time in recitation and say at the end of their dinner prayer. He was doing something to reveal to them how to transfer dominion back to uh, his disciples, which we are those disciples as well. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so I'm going to start in the Old Testament with a story. It's a prophetic story through the lens of a prophet. Jeremiah 32.8, it says, Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me. This is Jeremiah's cousin. In the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord. That's where Jeremiah was in the court of the Lord. He, and it sa- he said to me, Please buy my field that is at Anathoth, which is the country of Benjamin, for the, you might want to circle this, right of inheritance, Is yours and the circle this redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that it was the word of the Lord because he'd already told him that. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money 70 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed and sealed it. Remember, deed and seal. It took witnesses, weighed the money on the scales, and then watch this. I, I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to law and custom and that which was open. Now let me try to explain this to you as good as I possibly can in short notice. There's these two things going on here first. One, there's what's known as the right of inheritance and the right of redemption. The second thing that's going on here is that we have a, a sealed um, deed and we have an open deed. It's kind of like a title or you guys know what a deed is. A sealed deed, there is an original owner on that deed. So if you bought a car, you were the first person to buy the car, you're going to be on the front of that title. On the backside, though, it could be open to other people to purchase that or be on that title later on. So sometimes you have a sealed deed, and then it could be transferred, and through an open deed, somebody else can have ownership to that. Everybody tracking with me? Right of inheritance and right of redemption. Right of inheritance is referring to the fact that though somebody else bought this particular piece of land, if the, the offspring or the son of the father has the right of inheritance. So Jeremiah's father died, the uncle bought the land, but Jeremiah has the right of inheritance. He has the opportunity to redeem that property, buy it back first before anybody else. So this is an Old Testament concealed truth that is revealed in Jesus' life, but also in um, the New Testament as well in the book of Revelation, which I'll unpack for you. So there are two deeds, an open deed, a sealed deed, as we talked about. There's a right of redemption. There's a right of um, inheritance as well. Here's what God's talking about in Jeremiah. This is my opinion and the opinion of many others as well. This is a system that God implemented, and what God was talking about in Jeremiah, he was talking about whenever he refers to land, People are always thinking about their little parcel. God was always talking about the earth. He was always trying to give man back dominion for the earth that we lost in Genesis before the fall. Adam lost his dominion over the earth. He also lost his fellowship with God back in the garden as well. Those two things Jesus is attempting to restore back to us. And so when he talks about in the Gospels, say this in my name, it's through his name that we gain uh, uh, access and relationship. And it's through his name that we regain authority and dominion over the earth. He's trying to restore our right of inheritance, who we are, because Jesus was the son of the father. And the Father always held the, the, the sealed deed, and it's open to us. But in order to have our names on that, there had to be redemption purchased for us to be on that deed. Jesus came into the earth and purchased our lives back by the blood of his Son. And as a result, you and I can have a different destiny eternally and dominion on the earth. Woo! Man, it is so good. So God gave Adam dominion over the earth, but Adam lost it to Satan. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verse 6, when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, uh, Satan said to Jesus, I I will give you, God. He took him up on a high place. I'll give you, Jesus, all authority and splendor. It's, It's mine to give to you. I can determine whoever gets it. And you know what? Jesus didn't even argue that. Interesting. Jesus didn't argue that Satan said, the earth is mine and I have dominion over all of it. He could have taken dominion back at that moment, but he didn't want just dominion over the earth. He wanted you and me. So his total mission was to give you dominion back, but also to give you access and relationship eternally with God. So the big picture is eternity, but the here and now, which is what we're talking about today in this message is, I want to give you dominion over your circumstances, and it's in my name. Disciples, listen to me before I get ready to go. Anytime you face whatever you face, whatever you're looking for, anything you ask for in my name, I will do it. If you believe it. If you believe it. Praise God. So that's what Revelation 5 is talking about. The only one who qualified to do that in Revelation 5 was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's prevailed and opened the seal so that we could be on that deed as we go forward. So he didn't want just earth. He wanted you. But he wanted both you and I to be in fellowship with him. So God's done that for us. Here's the second reason why we should pray. The immutability of God. Now, immutability... I almost thought about not putting that word in because it's not the word you kind of used in a sentence this last week. I'm sure. You know, you didn't go to Chick-fil-A and said, man, I love the immutability of the waffle fries. (laughs) I mean, they're good and they never change. (laughs) I'm sure you didn't do that. All right. But... Immutability means the unchangeableness of God. It is an attribute of God. And I want you to understand, this is, again, a reason why we should pray, but the devil tries to twist it so we don't pray. Malachi 3.6 says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. He doesn't change because if he could change, that means he could get better, and he can't get better because he's best. He doesn't change. He's the best, okay? Okay. So Satan comes in with another lie. He's the Again, he's the deceiver. You're not going to change anything by praying. I mean, how are you going to change anything? Because God can't change. It's not going to change. It's not going to make a difference. God doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. That's, that's one of the things that he tries to twist. Since the Lord is immutable, he will never change, or he will never relent, or he'll never change his mind. But that's not true. This, this characteristic... Attribute of God, again, is referring to his character, not so much his behavior. Okay? Um, it's not, it, you, he can't change who he is, but you can change what he does. Abraham knew that. Abraham prayed and changed God's mind. David prayed multiple times and changed God's mind. One time David prayed, this will seem weird that I'm giving this example, but, but he did something wrong. His son died and he went to pray he said, perhaps why would you pray? Because perhaps God would change His mind and save His life, even though the prophet said He's gonna, my son's going to die. I am going to go in there and pray. Nobody would go to pray thinking God would change His mind if it hadn't happened before. So, so Abraham did it. David did it. Moses did it. Moses prayed and God changed His mind. Look at the scripture in your notes, Exodus thirty-two, fourteen. It says, "So the Lord relented." Everybody say, "Relented,", relented. from the harm that He was going to do to His people. God was mad. He was upset. What happened? The people prayed. What happened after that? God changed his mind. He relented. That word relented, think about this. The word relented is synonymous with repented. In fact, the Old Testament translators chose not to translate that word repented into the English word repented because we would misinterpret it and assume, they're wise, we would assume that God had sinned and that would confuse us. But that word relented, you could put a P for the L, repented just as easily. In fact, in the New Testament, the word repented in the Greek, the actual language, the original language it was written in, it comes from the Greek word metanoia. Meta basically means change, noia, mind, where we get Knowledge. Change mind. Most people think it's change direction. No, it's change your mind. Actually, when you repent to change your behavior, you first have to change your mind. To change your direction, you have to change your thoughts. The progression of sin is thoughts, words, deeds. So God can change his mind and not sin. So it's a change of, it's a change of mind. God can repent God can relent. 41 times in the Old Testament that word relent is used. And every single time of those 41, it means to change his mind. And God did change his mind. He's changed his mind multiple times in our lives when we pray. You guys remember the story of Jonah, right? Jonah and the whale. What's the story? God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh. I want you to preach judgment. In 40 days, they'll be destroyed. Jonah says, no way, Jose. I'm not going to do that. He leaves. Goes the opposite direction. South. we he's supposed to go north. He gets, he gets on a boat. Things go really bad. They throw him off the boat. He volunteers to do that because he knows he's violated God's word. He gets swallowed up by a fish. The fish takes him all the way back to Nineveh and spits him out on Nineveh. (laughs) Hello? We might as well do what God's going to say, right? Okay, so he gets there and he begins to preach for 40 days judgment to Nineveh. What happens? They're going to be destroyed, right? That's what God said. No, that's not what happened. They prayed and sought God. Was Nineveh destroyed? No. Why? Because they prayed. Now, of course... Jonah was all upset. He's like, if you look in chapter 4, it's just four chapters. Easy read on a cool story. Chapter 4, he's like mad at God. He's like, I knew you were going to do that. You told me to go there and preach judgment. And that's why I didn't go. Because I know you're a merciful God. And you're a compassionate God. And you always change your mind in favor of people who will pray. And they deserve judgment. And now you made me look bad. And I'm a prophet who spoke that God was going to do this. And it didn't happen. I might as well die. That's what every prophet who doesn't get what what they prophesy come to pass, prays. You can look at all throughout the Bible. I might as well die. Kill me now. (laughs) Because all the words from God are submitted to the God of the word. They are all submitted to the God of the word. So what's so great about this? If we pray, everybody say if. God will, God's good. God's always going to be merciful. He's always going to be compassionate. He can't wait to let you off the hook. He wants to relent, repent, and change his mind. He's all-powerful, which is one of the attributes of God as well. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. These characteristics should cause you to want to pray if we don't let the enemy twist us. And God wants to restore back to you not only access with God, but authority over the earth in which we live. Amen, is that good? Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah, I'm feeling good this morning. I feel like I could storm hell with a water pistol. That's what I'm saying. Ha <laughs> <sighs> First Peter chapter three, verse 12. Vanessa was quoting this earlier, "For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. I'm gonna encourage you before you leave today, if you have something going on in your life that needs, don't be afraid. If you're here for the first time, I promise you nobody's gonna freak you out or or, or just, you know, nobody's here to scare you. Jesus wants to save you. God wants to help you through, but there there are situations that you are facing, sooner or later, you're gonna hit a lid, a wall, an obstacle that you cannot handle by yourself. And that's why Jesus said what he said to the disciples. Whatever you ask for, in my name, I will do it. But you have to understand the access and the authority and the attention that you can get when you use the name of Jesus. And where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. When you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. The name is critical to everything that is going on in our life. Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. One thing that's so powerful about the name Jesus is what you did for us. You made it possible. You made it possible on your mission for us to be in relationship with you. That fundamentally is what has changed my life and the change, changed the lives of hundreds of thousands, millions of people all over this earth where because of what you did, our destiny, our, the purpose and plan for our lives could be altered forever because of Jesus but it's only through Jesus that's made possible. So if there's a person here today that maybe came in, and this is a little new to you, and I get it, but something's happening on the inside of you, and I get that too, because that happened to me. And you wanna, you wanna come into a relationship with Jesus? You don't have to go to church 2,900 times. You don't have to know the Bible like somebody else. You just have to know Jesus. You can't claim membership somewhere. I don't want you to meet church, I want you to meet Jesus, sir, man, boy, or girl. If that's God and he's knocking on your heart and you want to know Jesus Christ today, I'm not going to call you down front, although I would encourage you after the service is dismissed to come down front and tell somebody so they can give you your next steps. But if you want to know Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Good and high. say, pray for me right now before I leave. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome, 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 awesome. Four, five, six, seven. That's awesome. Good and high, so I don't miss anybody at the back. Thank you. I see your hands at the back. That's awesome. That's great. God bless you for your courage. It's the most important decision in your life. If you're listening online, you respond to as well. It's so important that you don't, you don't neglect the opportunity because tomorrow is not promised to us. We don't ever want it. God doesn't want anyone. He's good. He doesn't want anybody to be separated from him. But relationship starts with Jesus. Would you pray this prayer with me? And those that raise your hand, pray this prayer from your heart. Everybody join in. Say, Jesus, I ask you today to save me. Now is the day of salvation. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to start that relationship with you, that fellowship with you, that constant conversation with you. And I know it's in the name that I am saved. I know it's in the name that I am set free. I know it's in the name that my purpose and plan is found. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap. God bless you. Yes.